if you like the intimacy of our conversations, if you're inspired by it, if you're learning how to speak sex with us, please consider supporting our podcast. It's uh, free content on every streaming app and it's also free of ads. We do not want our conversation to be affected or corrupted by the outside influence of advertisers. We want to keep it intimate and real. And for that, we need your help. If you go to speaksexpodcast.com or if you look at the bottom of the profile page on your streaming app or if you go on the Speak Sex Podcast Instagram and hit the link tree, the support button will pop up right away. Consider making a monthly donation of like $1, $3, $5 a month. Just put it on your credit card the way that you might give money to your political candidate it's the same concept and that would keep us going much longer it will keep us growing buying equipment building a team and if you do not want to commit to supporting us with a minimum amount every month please consider donating at same places there is the donate button and then you can make a one-time contribution through paypal toward our growth and our survival and our becoming a movement and our joint liberation. So support us so we can help set you free. And thank you. Love you. We will love you just as much, whether or not you help us and speak sex. Welcome to Speak Sex. I'm your host, Eve Eurydice. Um, today's episode is going to be about uh, velvet lips <laughs> and truth in sexuality, in women's sexuality, and finding our truth in our bodies right, rather than in our monkey minds. That's how I see my guests for today. Um, Speak Sex is committed to helping everyone find the words, a language, a new language, uh, since we haven't been taught an actual language for when we're being sexual. Uh, so there's like plenty of room for it. So finding a language and a comfort level where we can express ourselves um, honestly, uh, calmly, <laughs> and without fear, of being judged or of hurting our partner's feelings, and and in that way, or you know, overcome the possibilities of all the endless misunderstandings and the guesswork, which leads uh, to anything from like breakups, quick breakups, cancel culture, and even date rape, assault. You know, someone who thinks yes should be made into. Uh, no should be made into yes, and yes means something else, whatever, all of that. Um, I think it's especially important for women because we haven't had a voice in sexuality for so long, and we finally gained the right to verbally consent to basically like every sexual art, hallelujah. <laughs> um, but also to men who, as a result of this, feel confused and lost in, in this you know, culture, uh, sometimes feel defensive, some find, sometimes feel on the spot, um, and are still stuck in the outdated, like, I don't know, 19th century, 18th century, and even 20th century modes of masculinity, including what we've come to 
called toxic masculinity. So um, I am a sex writer. I have had a sex column in magazines for many years, sex advice as well as sexology, which is basically the study of the language of sex um, as well as its expression. Um, so we're going to have fun. We're going to get truthful and real. And most of all, we hope to... Um, enlighten you a little bit. So welcome. Uh, today's guests are um, Susanna Potter and um, Marla Stewart. Susanna Potter is a psychotherapist, a sexual diversity advocate. Hey! <laughs> That's what we're all about. As well as a yogi, Reiki practitioner, and spiritual facilitator. Um, and I think you both are similarly kind of yogis and Reiki practitioners, right? And body-centered psychotherapists. Um, so Susie Potter is the founder of BodyWise Psychotherapy. She's located in Lauderhill, Florida, and she is passionate about multicultural competence, understanding sexual diversity from the body. Um, her mission in her work and life is to expand to her highest potential so she can help others find that same opening power and, uh, you know, find the inner wounded healer, right? Um, find the wound, heal the wound, and then become the healer of others' wounds. So fascinated with embodiment in psychology, she became a licensed psychotherapist and founded the holistic practice, BodyWise, um, because she wants to you know, spread healing that comes from the body rather than the mind. My understanding of that, and I'm speaking for her <laughs> right now, but she'll speak for herself uh, soon enough. My understanding of that is that in patriarchy, I'm trying to simplify my view of it. In patriarchy, a lot of what we know with our mind is male-dominated. And again, by male, I'm not saying, you know, every single guy out there came up with it. But the system itself, the language we use, even this second, comes from patriarchy. And patriarchy's job for the past, I don't know, 4,000 years has been to control women, especially women's sexuality and women's power to give birth, which gives women an extraordinary power that men don't have, and that way kind of an upper hand <laughs> in the survival of the species. So patriarchy's job was basically to control that, regulate it, you know, house it, <laughs> um, imprison it, uh, regulate it, and um, in a way protect men from women. Mm. So we've come a long way from it, thanks to wave after wave after wave of <laughs> feminism. And here we are today, and that, uh, you know, that structure is crumbling for sure. We are all in aware of that. We're all in agreement, at least in the West, at least in the West where we live. Uh, sadly, the rest of the world has a ways to go. Um, but this, the patriarchy still controls our mind because that's everything we know. So our morality, our law, laws, our aesthetics, <laughs> um, you know, our judgments of each other come from all of that. That's what in yoga we call the monkey mind, mm -hmm. right? 
And um, when when you, someone works from body's body for the body with dance, with movement, with touch, to heal from the place of the body rather than the mind, that's more woman-centered. That's where we're trying to find balance, you know, reclaim some sort of balance. And you cannot do that, um, find that balance by using the tools of patriarchy. So. I mean, that, that's also the philosophy of this. The, the reason the, the existence, you know, the reason for this podcast and, and the work of many of my guests. So I'm sure you'll tell us more about it. Welcome to Speak Sex, Susanna. And so Marla Stewart, um, she is also, um, she does, a, she, she runs her sexuality education company, which is known Velvet Lips. That's where I first found you. Um, and I was very interested in it. And she's the co-founder of the Sex Down South Conference and the Sexual Liberation Collective. She has studied human sexuality for over 18 years and is, has spoken to many audiences around the world on these topics. Uh, she's a lecturer at Clayton State University. And uh, she is the co-founder of the Sexual Liberation Collective, as I said, that like we'll find more about that and sex down. Uh, she's a sexologist and a professional sex and relationship coach and educator. Would you like to go first, Marla? Oh, well, yeah, well, oh. uh, yeah, that's fine, I'll go first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my company is Velvet Lips. It is a sexuality uh -huh. education company. Um, I help people build up their sexual confidence uh, by helping them with their communication skills, seduction techniques, um, as well as their sex skills. So I help, you know, individuals, I help couples, and I often uh, go to conferences and uh, do workshops at events and, and things. So that's uh, my company sort of separate from Sex Down South, which is a yearly conference uh, that happens in Atlanta each year. It's a three-day conference, and it is an educational conference. So it's three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all day of sex and sexuality workshops. And then... Um, at night, we, you know, have fun and, and party at night. I forgot to say, uh, the Sex Down South Conference, um, even though it's a big sex conference, it's very diverse. And so we really focus on marginalized communities, um, which include folks of color, um, disabled folks, queer, trans folks, um, uh, you know, anybody, you know, in alternative relationships such as non-monogamous, non you know, swingers, polyamorous, kinksters. So we just try to make sure that people are uh, feeling safe and are ready to learn. So that and what and what do you teach? And what do you teach? Um, I've taught at the. You mean at the at university? The oh, at the conference. Yeah. There's very so there's everything people. So there's about we usually have about seventy presenters, and so they teach whatever you're good at. So we have had podcasters last year. We had people who taught um, how to take really naked, like really great naked selfies. Um, we've had, you know, blowjob workshops. We've had um, how to communicate with your partner workshops. We've had a lactation inducing workshop. We've had, um, you know, how to tie up people in workshops. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's about 40 or 50 workshops. So there's a lot of workshops and we usually try to get presenters from all over the world um, to, to come and present. So it's pretty... And that's the one in Atlanta, right? Yes. What time mm -hmm. of year is that? 
It's in September, September mm. 10th through the 12th, 2020. So mm-hmm. next year. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Good. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. So that's, yeah, Sex Down South. Yeah. Um, and of course I also... Which is where the sex is best. Yeah. Sex Down South. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I'm hoping, I, I'm really, I'm going to put this in the air. I want to do something um, here in Miami. I was just going to say, like, why um, don't we have another one? Like we're gonna do sex Ooh, on the yeah. beach so i'm trying to make that happen for 2020 yeah um, it'll be a day-long conference instead of like a three-day long conference but um that is definitely in the works absolutely so, um trying to build up some coalitions with people yeah i'm um, an organization yeah. yeah. i'd right love now. to take part in that that sounds great yeah yeah and you know the thing is that you know miami is like a kind of like uh, if you rap in in a sense you know the, the reputation is that it's a play town but i feel like it's you know it is a sexy town for sure because it's tropics we're naked half naked like all <laughs> right. year long you know so like the body is there in your face it's not hidden and it's not you know curated and edited as it is in most of the world right mm-hmm. so what we have on it you know to kind of like advertise it is minimal and you get the real deal <laughs> <laughs> you know and people are comfortable physically much more I, f- I feel because of that that's one of the reasons uh, but you know even though it is like a party town and a free town and we have a lot of transient you know communities coming and going and a lot of people come for sex or sex tourism you know or swapping or whatever right, right, know, right. a weekend of adventure um the locals who live here are, are you know kind of conservative communities you know yes. and people of color in particular except yes. for the youth are like really conservative you know the haitian community the jamaican community the cuban community mm-hmm. um you know which are very strong you know the russian community even again there are exceptions in the younger generation but always in the younger generation people you know rebel rebel yeah (laughs) always yeah the hormones take over and you're like so woke you know and then like 20 years down the line you're telling your kids like you know you can't leave the house i'm gonna give you a virginity test what was the guy (laughs) oh yeah ti yeah yeah. i mean virginity test yeah taking the doctor make sure her hymen was still in place i mean like daughter yeah white evangelical pastor maybe but like that, what right so that's exactly like what you know there is that very like mm, mm, i'm gonna say like it's a, it's a machismo that expresses itself in you know sexual conservatism so yeah there is a lot of place for miami to like learn and embrace and and, and grow sexually so like we can all catch up to like the beach what happens yeah. on, <laughs> what happens here on the beach <laughs> right right exactly right? it's like yeah. behind closed doors i think that's the really interesting thing especially i think with the south in general is just there's so i was telling people you know i'm originally from california the west coast and so it's just like you know it's more liberal there and um here in the south there are so many more swingers so many more uh like groups of alternative relationships of of all the things oh, yeah, um, that you sure. wouldn't necessarily yeah. find in california and i'm just like wow and everything is sort of behind closed doors so you have to know someone to know someone yeah, to get yeah, into yeah. this place to yeah. get into that party yeah, yeah so it's it's uh you know you gotta yeah you know, I'm trying to work my way in yeah. somehow. In, in California, it's very open. Well, like at least in San Francisco, you know, it's yeah. very open. Like you can find, right. you can find it all pretty easily and like more or less public. But yeah, here it's the opposite. It's like 
private, word mm-hmm. of mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's happening. A lot is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I heard Miami Beach is the, the hot spot for, oh, yeah. for all the, oh, yeah, the most non-stop. sexiest things in South Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, good. So Susie, tell us about your uh, work and mission. Sure. Um, So I'm newly into private practice Mm -hmm. and I'm really excited. Um, But uh, uh, my work is about being in the body and like you said, just advocating for that because I think, you know, I myself, I'm a dance therapist and I myself still struggle to keep the reins on the monkey mind or to pacify the monkey mind, however you want to say it, um, and be in my body. But so, um, like I, like you read in my bio, bio, it's like, I, I learned from my own experience. I'm my own lab rat and I continue to deepen my relationship with myself, my body, my mind, and how that all comes together and spirit. And I, advocate for others to do the same so you know that's a very particular niche you know people who come to me they come to me um with that knowing that ahead of time right knowing that i am a body-centered psychotherapist and it also looks different from client to client there's no one way that it looks and i think that's what's so beautiful about it just like dance you know i used to dance back in the day and um no matter how many times you rehearse it, every single time it's a unique experience, right? That you're just in the flow. So that's what I love about it, um, about this work. Um, what kind of mm-hmm. dancer were you? Um, I used to do modern dance, contemporary. I did some ballet. I did some Afro-Brazilian. Um, yeah, a little bit of everything. Hip-hop, jazz, the traditional stuff. Um, and then I kind of broke away from that and found that there's a deeper relationship to movement. And that's what led me down the path. You know, I couldn't decide. I, I got a bachelor's in dance as well as a bachelor's in psychology. And then I was like, I, so we need to put these together somehow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then there's a thing called dance movement therapy, you know, I discovered and I went for it. Um, and it was an amazing experience. Full circle. Speaking of sexuality, um, I did, we didn't have a sexuality class in our grad school program. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, you know, go outside of that and take workshops with um, Melissa Walker, which is one of my um, mentors at the time, who focused on using dance therapy um, to address sexuality. And so, you know, now this year I just did a presentation at the American Dance Therapy Associate annual conference which was in Miami this year and it was about sexual um, diversity competence and it's it's just really weird and ironic that they're you know the whole field is about being embodied but yet the bot the sexuality is still compartmentalized mm-hmm. taboo yeah yeah you know yeah left left aside as last mm-hmm. you know so yeah it's pretty shocking yeah. you know that like it starts from day one basically mm-hmm. <laughs> the lack of se- of sexual education mm-hmm. and it never ends like even you know like there are gender studies but they don't focus on how to have sex no 
in in college you know there is something called sexology which is you know i guess you study lacan or you study foucault and again it's the theory of sexuality mm. you know freud whatever but but the point is it's all based on mental mm -hmm. thinking about it how to think about it you know uh, in psychology you know is there such a thing as sex addiction stuff like that mm -hmm. you know these are the questions and they're all questions that are mental and we can write essays on them mm -hmm. <laughs> um, lots of them right lots of, yeah <laughs> right but again when it comes to like the what matters to people most there is no official you know like study where you can where you can go and get a degree like from Harvard mm -hmm. <laughs> and be an expert you know it's back it's like the same thing it's like back to like psychology or psychotherapy or mm -hmm. ba ba which is this you know fine mm -hmm. but it's like um, the psyche uh, involves more kind of like a, a path you know going down to your past and going you know down mm -hmm. to like your own trigger moments and Hopefully, at best, like, you know, retraining your neural pathways and, and all of that. But how to actually be in your relationships, how to be with your sexual partner, how to find what you like sexually, how to make your life happier sexually, which is like what we're talking about, which is what people want to do, you know. Mm -hmm. of, like you said, people of all walks of life, um, they just don't have a, a source. A, a, you know, a widespread, readily accessible, you know, source where they can go to, oh, and, and, and totally respectable source. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. I should add, <laughs> I forget. Yes. Right. Because right. yeah. <laughs> everybody thinks there's, they're right. a sex expert or everybody thinks they know everything right. or, you know, they're like, I've had so many sexual experiences and so now I know everything there is to know about sex. Right. And it's like, right. no, there's always something to learn. There's always something new, different. Right. Um, right. There's no, no one is yeah. a sex expert. Right. Right. But, but the point is, if there had been a, a place for it, you know, that had been around for like centuries, the same way, that, like the classics, right? Mm -hmm. We have the classics, where sexuality should be part of the classics, you know, and the yeah. patriarchy didn't want that, but, right. you know, in, in, in practice, that's what it should have been, and then it would be easy and simple for people to like look shit up or you know right. studied in school if they felt interest instead of like you know giving up on on western education and going to like places far away to study tantra or you know study like what whatever they could um they were called to which however doesn't have the same type of like respect in our western society right so that's and i think it's part of that whole system that I started, you know, talking about in the beginning, we educate our our kids, our young, about sex by saying no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like don't be naked, Shaming don't touch them. yourself, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Don't look that way, don't say those words, but don't, no, no, no. So, and we kind of continue with that. So even all the way, like you know, all of, all through elementary school, it's no. Middle school, no. Then you start with sex ed, which is like these movies of, I don't know, chemistry, like sperm swimming that are so boring the kids are like sleeping through them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is basically, again, no, because they don't, you know, no one is telling them anything mm -hmm. except, 
warning them away from sex. It's all about protection. Right. It, it, it's all about not, right. <laughs> not having sex. And then in college, there's really nothing except the theory of it, like how you can talk about it. Right. So, and you know, I feel very lucky that I went to college in San Francisco. So true, I had a true, variations yeah, yeah. in human sexuality class. I had, mm. you know, I had a, a very wide variety of of, of sources, you know, mm -hmm. and that I feel very lucky in the sense because not a lot of people have had that. And no, not, it's you not know. available. And then you think about college, like the hormones are through the roof and all you've learned yeah. is no, 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 right? Right, right? All your body is doing is saying yes, yes, yes <laughs> to like everything, <laughs> right, right? right? So right. Um, I think it would be advantageous for people to take sexuality courses, not only in college, but, you know, in high school, middle school, you know, right, just right, to... Right you know, no more. Yeah. And legitimize you know? it all. Yeah. Yeah. And not be scared of it, not be shameful about it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what I feel, you know, I mean, that's my, my goal here, my mission here, but I also feel like it would be a revolution in, in our world, in our culture. I mean, it's something that I can't even imagine, you know, to be able to have like, you know, conversations about sex with your kids would neither feel weird or uncomfortable or awkward at all, you know, to talk to, you know, to, to be able to like speak it without implying that you're having it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why the two are connected like that. Yeah. But they seem to be. I think, well, and things just have to be age appropriate, right? Like making sure like whatever content that you're speaking about is age appropriate. So if, you know, a five-year-old says, you know, where do babies come from? Right. You, you need to be able to answer them without saying the birds and the bees get together or some other, you know, whimsical, right, nonsensical exactly. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, but in the context of, you know, when a sperm meets an egg, this is where sperm are located. These are where eggs are located. Sometimes they're in people, sometimes they're in a lab, right? Like, so there's, you know, there's multiple ways to make a baby, you know, instead right. of just but, yeah. uh, being in the, the patriarchal sense of this right. is the yeah. only way yeah. when a man and a woman get together, this is how, yeah. you know, a baby is made. Yeah. And the sperm are racing to the finish to this egg. In actuality, the egg actually chooses the sperm. Right. So, you know, yeah. there's like a whole other, you know, all the things that right, exactly. come into play when it yeah. comes to yeah. educating yeah. youngsters. Yeah. As a, as a queer, as a practicing queer, I think that, you know, it's, it's especially important to to help people find an alternative vocabulary, right? And and find a place in this heterodominant culture where they can be truthful and be themselves and also open up space. Um, I, I, I feel that it is the king community and the queer community um, that has taught us so much about coming up with new words mm -hmm. and, and, and coming up with agency and respecting agency. Um, and, and ironically, you know, for those who don't know and haven't tried it out, right, it's exactly those communities and those parties and, you know, even the dungeons, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. as, as kind of like, you know, dark and scary as the word makes them sound, um, where respect is, is most applied. Um, because, you know, because in, in, in communities that have been in the fringe, 
um, it has been very important to understand each other and they have sexual preferences that are outside the norm. So they can't take it for granted as heterodominant people do that like the guy when the lights go out will know what to do to the woman because he has a dick, right? And he's hard, so he'll know what to do. And basically all he knows is that he wants to, you know, orgasm. <laughs> but even the ones who are, you know, really well-meaning don't know each individual woman's body because we're all different, completely different. So like every, every vagina is different, you know, and it responds differently. Like it's like our fingerprints, you know, we all have a very different, you know, sexual uh, identity. But, but that, the acknowledgement of that, at least for me, uh, you know, came in the 60s, really, in America at least, uh, and in Europe, and it came from the king communities, mm. all the different, because they had that need very urgently, right? They needed to be able to say, this is how I like to express myself sexually, and it's not at all like missionary. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so like, I gotta come up with a name for it, yeah. And the names have changed, you know, and the kings have changed, and they get like more and more specific. But I'd like to hear you speak on that from, you know, from that place of inside knowledge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I think it's important to know that the kink community came from the queer community. Right, um, exactly. So, Mostly, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. thinking about like where the kink community originated is from queer community. And I think, like you said, queer communities have just been marginalized for so long that um, we've had to invent language or use language that applies to us, right? And so... Um, I think it's important, like from the from the kink community, we've learned a lot of things, right? Around consent, um, around, like you said, just bodies and different responses and and what people like or don't like, negotiating. Um, oh my God, yeah, negotiation, yeah. huge, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, thinking about the queer community and thinking about the language and everything that um, we've had to use, you know, over time to make sure that our needs were getting met, making sure that everybody was feeling safe. Um, and I think, you know, the queer community is probably, you know, one of the first communities that want, that needed to feel safe, you know, um, besides the black community feeling, you know, wanting to feel the need safe, um, the queer community is stepping up. I mean, every marginalized community has had those spaces of where they needed and wanted to feel space and, and should have been had or should have had the liberty to feel, uh, to feel safe. Um, I think that when I, I think of my work, you know, being a queer person and I mostly help um, straight people, straight-ish, I would say, people. <laughs> and I I have actually a book chapter going to be, it's going to be in a book coming out next year as well um, called, uh, called Queering, um, Queering Straight Black Relationships um, in the South. And so it's very interesting to think about how my lens just alone is helping people who are straight and not familiar with queer communities, but the framework and being able to 
change their minds on how they communicate, not only with me, but with other people around them and how that has changed sort of their lives in general and how they see themselves and how they authenticate themselves um, in a world where um, geographically you've had to do this or do that or be this person or be that person um, in order to be successful. Um, So I think it's important for um, us to acknowledge what queer communities have done and um, continue to do uh, ha- and our and young people who continue to constantly shift um, our language and the way we see the world and we can see that in the media you know so not only have um, the queer and kink communities have uh, engaged in has bled out, I guess, into mainstream. Um, But also now we can see it in our media and now we feel safe in our media or we're feeling safer in our media because we can see ourselves. Um, You know, we've seen kink shows and we've seen, you know, the Fifty Shades of Grey, I know, kind of, you know, wasn't that great, but, you know, we see it in the media. Um, you know, we see queer folks in the media and we are seeing how the language is changing and it's different and how to relate to people as people and human beings um, instead of as strangers or, or you know. Or, yeah, or the other. Yeah, or the, yeah, or the other, know, exactly, right. yeah. That, that, or exotify, you know, the exotified oh, yeah. one, you know, oh, yeah. which is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that that's exactly, you know, that that confirms that this is actually a revolution. I mean, it's it's a it's a peaceful revolution <laughs> for now. But you know, for now, I like to think. But you know, I, I feel like we should take it as far as it needs to go. You know, because the the patriarchy, if threatened, will get tougher for sure. Um, well, we can see that now through right, Trump, um, abortion, <laughs> yeah, president. abortion rights abortion or right, reproductive justice. Yeah. We see that now, right? Chipping away at you know Roe v. Wade and how we're even seeing our bodies and how our bodies are continuously being. Um, Violence, you know, we're continuously facing violence against our bodies um, with these laws, right? So it's yeah, 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 all of it, you know, like rape laws have not been updated. I mean, you know, maybe like one state or two states will try to do something, but honestly, you know, it's just if you look at the entirety of America, it's still the legal system is still against, you know, most uh, kink and most sexual expression that's not like within the marriage or mm-hmm. whatever. It's funny uh, when I um, when I teach my students and I tell them that um, one of the laws in Georgia is you cannot, um, sodomy is against the law. And I'm like, sodomy. It's still against the law? Yeah, so sodomy, and I tell, you know, sodomy is, uh, if it's not penis, vagina, sex, then it's sodomy, right? So it's oral wow. sex, anal sex, anything that's not penis, vagina, sex, it is against the law but I mean it's considered a, what's called a dead law but it's like you know it, it's like it's still in the law books yeah it's right? like take it off the law books right, right. so yeah. it's still there yeah so it's very fascinating yeah. Yeah. goes back to that insidious message that you were speaking of right. it's still in the law books right mm-hmm. so like I think it it, it it um, emphasizes that that hypervigilance, I feel, you know, and you keep I keep hearing the word safety in the conversation. And I feel like as long as it's in the law books, right, there's still that sense of like, are we safe? Are we safe to explore, to expand, to grow, to flow? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so right, but but it does start like from the individual. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I and and from the individual being interested in, interested in truth mm-hmm. rather than like conquering or mm-hmm. trophy gathering, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or other expressions again of like the masculinity, which can happen for both men and women. You know, uh, where you confuse intimacy with some success you know some like action that, that gets you the desired result which it's not at all it's like outside that you know i feel that like sex is is closer to nature mm-hmm. and so you know it's something that we find solace in and we enjoy and it, it has nothing to do with like that setup mm. you know the hamster wheel you know how how much money do you make you know how mm-hmm. many uh, boyfriends or girlfriends uh, do you score how many blah 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 the whole thing you know counting up and getting the notches um and and to get out of that uh, mindset which can happen also in queer community i mean queer community yeah. can be you know can have its own prejudices you know oh, yeah. it can be conservative in, oh, yeah. in their own way you know like you it, there is still a, a, a tendency to copy stereotypes you know um and not only and not only in sex because like in sex when you copy the stereotype, it's tongue-in-cheek and it's cathartic. So, like, if you're a bottom or a top in sex or a switch, you know, if you're a daddy or you're a little girl, you're actually relieving, you know, real-life traumas in a cleansing way Mm -hmm. so you can come out of them feeling that you have agency in this. Right. And, you know, in some cases you get over it. Like you don't spend your entire life doing this sexual practice alone, right? Right. And you can like find yourself interested in other other play forms. Um, But that, which is what happens like in the bedroom, um, is a reenactment. So that's not prejudice, but the prejudice exists in like, you know, I'm gay, I'm a gay man, but like, I don't want to look queer, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to like speak with a lisp, I don't want people Mm -hmm. to, whatever that is, you know, all the cliches. What? Like you can't, I mean, you know, if you, you know, are, if in my opinion, you know, if you find yourself in a place of difference, then automatically you're born to be a trailblazer. You might as well accept it. You know, it's not your job to like try and fit in and hide and pass. Those days, thank God, are over, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel that even like the trans, you know, the trans uh, people and especially the trans youth, you know, and like their their movement to change pronouns and add things mm. to the language is, is a trailblazing movement because they're, they're not just going by the existing codes. They're saying, we don't have any. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> We're not in this Viking vocabulary. And, you know, they're showing us that anything can be, you know, we can like change ourselves in a way endlessly until we find our truth and our comfort. Yeah, and I think a sense I'm 
everybody wants to belong, right? Everybody wants to feel accepted. And so what is the way that we can feel accepted with our language, with, you know, with whatever social institutions that we're in? Um, and I think that is the important thing that we can be ourselves and that we can connect with anybody on this planet on something. Mm. And that's the most important thing, which is love, which is hard to do when you feel like someone is totally different from you. But I guarantee you, there's something that you probably connect on. And I think that's the hardest part for people to realize is like, hey, we all are on this planet. We only got this one life. We got to like, we got to get along. We got to do it somehow. We got to make this work. How, what are the ways that we can do it that feels good to the both of us? Right. Or the, all of us. And one of the ways that we all connect is sex. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. It's like right. everybody needs to eat, everybody needs to poop, and everybody wants to get laid. Like these are very, <laughs> very basic connections, like worldwide. I would say, so I would say relationships, because we have to think about like asexual people too. That's what who, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there are people we, we want, we want to be connected to someone. And so whether that's, you know, through romance, or intimacy or sex mm -hmm. you know um I, it, it's it's a way to just establish yeah your connection but um but yes sex and mm -hmm. even for asexual people sex is important though too yeah like I think if you're with a sexual you person masturbate you yeah. better yeah. masturbate <laughs> when you're asexual i mean for me asexual is like totally chill is a social you know practice like you know i'm in a stage in my life where I don't have time or, you know, the emotional strength or whatever it is to dedicate, that I would dedicate to, like, partner up, even sexually. But that's a different thing, being asexual, like, with other people and being asexual with yourself. You know, I always say, power to you if you're asexual, but please, like, you know, masturbate. <laughs> Give your body that Stay healthy. Yeah, Stay yeah, healthy. Yeah. yeah. And one thing has nothing to do with the other. You know, being asexual is like your social identity or your social presentation, mm -hmm. uh, in, you know, sexually. Mm -hmm. Like I'm heterosexual right, or right, I'm right. polyamorous or I'm right. homosexual or I'm whatever and I'm asexual, fine. But like, you know, you can still love yourself. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's the beauty of it. It's a, it's a word and it's, but it's labeling an identity and that identity is unique to each person. So like, one person's definition of asexuality is this thing and another person's definition of it is another thing. And so, you know, working with um, that in counseling, it's always staying on your toes and being really open to like, what exactly do you mean? And like really not being afraid to dive into that person's definition at that time because they could always change yeah that's well. that's important yeah, yeah that's very important that our definitions can change and we should be open to that yeah mm -hmm. and that no matter how exciting our definition and you know how much progress we've made if we stay there for like 20 years it's going to get boring and we may act out if we don't recognize that you know we just have new interests that's all mm -hmm. right yeah mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, in, in separate, in your separate work, in your, in your paths, uh, what do you feel are the most common questions and concerns, you know, from clients and mm. friends? 
Well, I work with an array of different people. Um, so they come to me for different reasons. Um, so it really would depend on the client. Um, I work with a lot of people of color, a lot of pe queer people as well. Um, you know, so, but oftentimes that's not the, those are not the topics that are coming up for them. It's part of the picture, the problem, the problem, quote unquote, at hand. Um, but generally I would say that at the heart of it all, it's the relationship with themselves. The relationship between self and self is often what I end up working with with clients, just that that love, that self-love. You spoke about, you know, how difference makes it difficult to love. But I think that, you know, also a part of that is if you feel different, you might not love yourself. You might feel ostracized. Again, is it okay for me to be me? You know, that question is just one that I struggle with, right? And right. If I was different, would you love me more? <laughs> mm hmm or, or can you change so I can love you more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I love you, but I would like to change you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to quite tell you now. <laughs> That's the, oh my God. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. You're perfect, except for a couple of things that I plan to change in you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, like... The most common um, things that uh, like clients for, come to me for is that they need to spice up their sex life or if they're, you know, if their sex life is, you know, they're just not feeling connected um, or they just um, are dealing with some sexual trauma that they need to get past. Um, a lot of it's around communication. Um, and yeah, but most of it is like building up their like, sex skills and um and helping them with ideas to implement in their sex lives because a lot of times like i said they just kind of do the same thing I'm like you got y'all are doing the same thing over and over again right like yeah so so know. whether okay so, so some of your advice you know for seduction and for spicing up <laughs> um for seduction what i um uh, for se for seduction and spicing up would be um to know what your partner's um I call them seduction learning style. So, you know, we have our learning styles of visual, um, auditory, or tactile, right? So thinking about those three things, which one are you the most, you know, how do you learn best, right? The way that you usually learn best is the way that you get seduced by. So if you are a visual person, most likely you are, you know, you want a lot of eye contact or you want to, you like to dress a up striptease. or striptease. Yes. Um, you know, if you're auditory, you like to talk, you like people to give you feedback, um, you, you know, certain music. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Some people like music. Like, yeah. yeah. And then like, you know, if you're tactile, you like to touch. I'm See, I'm touching. I'm a very touchy person, so I'm always like, if you're within this range, you will get touched by me. <laughs> so, you know, um, people like to right, dance, to feel, or yeah. you generally tactile, or, um, you yeah. know, lap dancing, um, you know, that, those kind of things. Mm. Um, so I combine those with the love languages. I'm sure y'all have heard of the love yeah. languages, right? And then... No, I'm, go ahead, tell, so what love languages? So the, uh, it's like 
Gary Chapman um, does a love language, five love languages. And it is um, where you, uh, it's how you feel the most loved, right? So we have uh, the words of affirmation, you have acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and receiving gifts. So those are the different kinds of love languages. So um, say you are a receiving gifts person, and I am a quality time person, sometimes I will want to spend quality time with you because it's my love language, but in actuality, I need to be giving you gifts because that's how you perceive love. So, and you might be giving me gifts and I'm just like, oh yeah, great, this is a gift. You know, I put it aside, but it doesn't really show me that you want to be with me kind of thing. So understanding who, you know, how you give and receive love is, is very important. So combining those. Right, and translating. So like not, yeah. not assuming that your partner understands love the way you do. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, so do they have, like people get a questionnaire and yeah, they Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I have my seduction learning style quiz that anybody can take. Um, you know, if you want to go to my website and take it, there is a, um, <laughs> there is a, uh, the love language quiz I think you can go to, to for the love languages. Um, and then, you know, I put those together and I have my erotic activity sheet and basically I say hey you know pick an erotic activity out and then think about your learning style and your love language and create a sex plan you know plant your sex seed create a sex plan and so you know then you move from there and create different ways to explore your sexuality together yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that, you know, in a way what we need is like practical help. Yeah, we we it's at the practical level where right. people don't know how to proceed and don't know how to do it in a safe way, you right. know. So, um, and again, you know, if it should be taught because if we all had learned these basic things and many, many like them, you know, in like cool school in early age, mm-hmm. like even in high school, before we even become sexual, if we, you know, had access to this information, we wouldn't be feeling like unwell and in yeah. need of like wellness therapy, mm-hmm. which therapy means implies an illness, an mm-hmm. ill at ease, mm-hmm. a dis ease, mm-hmm. you know, right? A lack of ease. And the reason we have that is because we don't have the, um, the, the information and the language, mm-hmm. right? And we also don't have the the value system that says that that language is legit and safe and normal, normative, right? Mm-hmm. So like normalizing it all is very important, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so you don't have to like, you know, I mean, now with the internet, it's easier to kind of find, you know, sources of information. Mm-hmm. Um, but still a lot of it, I, I, I think it's like word of mouth. It's right. like trusting the people you know to right. tell you where to go. Right. So it's still very community-based. Um, and that tells you that it's not, you know, like a, a, an accepted, wide, you know, widely accepted familiar thing to do you know it should be as simple as like going to the supermarket it right. really should it's, mm-hmm. it's a very fundamental need um and and you know again like associating uh, a happy sex life with uh um i don't know how to put it i don't want to say monogamy but you know with like everlasting uh faith 
in, in being each other's only sexual partner mm-hmm. is, is another kind of, you know, I think false assumption that we're fed early on and we stay with it. And a lot of relationships, perhaps the vast majority, you know, of relationships uh, fail because of this assumption, you know, mm-hmm. and because it's, and they fail so quickly, you know, because it, 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 you know, any sort of like, um, Infidelity, infidelity and, yeah, mm-hmm. is seen as a, an overall betrayal of everything, mm-hmm. right? Not just a betrayal of like the sexual experience, but the betrayal of everything, everything that's ever been said, everything that's been done together, you know, the house, the family, that everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's rare that people have, uh, you know, the, or the openness to, to, to go through you know, like the crucible of it, <laughs> you know, and come and come out the other side united mm-hmm. because that's the assumption that's out there in society, which again strikes me as a crazy assumption, especially for couples that are young, um, you know, to, to think that the only normal thing is to stay together with each other alone, you know, for the rest of your life. And in particular, now that, you know, DNA allows us to have like paternity tests mm-hmm. so it's no longer necessary to like you know keep the woman uh, controlled you know in the house under your name under you know uh, and, right, under well, every that. legal restraint to make mm-hmm. sure that like uh, she only gives birth to your children right, right? so now that that's uh, all changed I feel that we can easily you know move on and separate procreation from sex mm-hmm. and then, you know, have a different language for sex and a different assumption for sex within a couple, you know, a committed, like dedicated, loving couple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are your opinions on that? <laughs> well, it should be easy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, you guys, but I mean, but um, just being... A Latina queer woman, cisgendered, that was conditioned, right, to have an everlasting marriage that is <laughs> strictly monogamous in the sense with one person, and that it was, you know, as long as you love each other, you know, it'll last forever. I think that, I mean, I'm still married, it's still going, but it's not as easy as it seems, I guess, to break those condition that conditioning and to figure out what the hell's going on right and figure out how to navigate the actual complexity of um being free as an individual in a relationship so yeah that's my thought on that it should be easy (laughs) (laughs) but um i don't know right like being being honest without hurting the you know without the without it's translating as a rejection, which it's not. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be, right? Yeah, and but I think... Honesty, if anything, is a respect and a, 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 and a trust rather than a rejection or a denial. Yeah, but I think a lot of people like repress things, you know, or suppress yeah. things or suppress feelings. Like I'm just thinking about, like, I have couples who come to me and they're like... You know, we're, 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 we're 10 years in and I think I'm polyamorous. And right. not monogamous. What do, you know, now what? I'm like, did you kind of think you were polyamorous before you got into this relationship, but you just kind of 
didn't you know just kind of like oh well we're socialized to be this way so I'm just gonna go this way and I think that's where we go wrong and I feel like um, because I came out you know at 16 I was able to just live my life and be me and you know and growing up in California yeah. and then you know like that's yeah. you know sexually that's a thing yeah. <laughs> like a different planet <laughs> so um when I told my mom um, that I was, I was like, you know, mom, I am, a, I'm not monogamous. You know, my mom was like, you know, whatever. It's just like another thing right. that you are, you know, <laughs> you just, you, you're so many things, you know, and I'm just like, okay. But, um, and then when I, when I entered into relationships, I basically, I knew myself, right? So I'd be like, I am a non-monogamous person, you know, so how do you want to do this relationship? Um, because, this is how I am. How do you want us to be? And so monogamous is not an option, right? So we can be monogamish. We can mm. be polyamorous. <laughs> we can be, you know, we can be together. In what way do you want to be together? That is not that. Right. Right. Everything I that. love monogamish. Yeah. Yeah. Monogamish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait, what, what's that? Define what the Yeah. Define? I so, love that term. <laughs> so my definition of monogamish <laughs> is where you are together with someone but you have the option to be with other people sort of on your own terms so it's sort of like it's not necessarily an open relationship and my version of monogamish is really like we determine the rules together right and you know if we're going to play we play together right um we're not you know, we're not going off separately or dating separately or doing anything like that. Okay, um, okay. So, like, we have an open marriage, but we are doing everything together, or at least in each other's presence. Right. Right? Yeah, sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say, yeah. So, or, yeah, I wouldn't say open presence, marriage. But, <laughs> but <laughs> in each other's presence or in each other's vicinity or in each other's knowledge. Or yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> All of the above. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really just depending on the situation, but for the most part, yes, in each other's vicinity and things like that. But also... Right. But it gets renegotiated. I, yeah, and then yeah. I'm also in the king community too. So right. when I play you know my wife doesn't like to go you know she might go in a dungeon but she, most likely not right uh -huh. but um but I play with people in the dungeon so it's like that is part of our you know monogamish and part of our yeah that know, makes that's different yeah, yeah I feel that that monogamish <laughs> yeah <laughs> makes total sense because like it stays there it's done there it stays there mm -hmm. and it never leaves yeah, you know? yeah, yeah so it's kind of like a well you know defined Mm. exchange yeah. sexual mm -hmm. exchange you know right and since there is like an audience or at least a potential audience you know it's clear that like that's where it's at yes yeah mm -hmm. it's so, a presentation yeah. right it's a show yeah it's a show um, even though it's intimate right right, right. yeah but it, but it is still uh it's it's performance right it's it's yeah it's a it's a communal experience. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the two of you, you know, exchanging like intimacy or exchanging secrets, you know, mm -hmm. in a, in a private space where anything can be said, you know, all that stuff, you know, that, that creates like a doubt maybe in mm -hmm. the partner's, you know, in the, in the partner's heart, you know, like what are they feeling that I have no access to, you know? Right. And I feel, I mean, and the truth is, you know, I, I, I just can't, 
stress that enough, but I feel that the truth is that we hardly know ourselves, right? Mm. And we change all the time. Right, yes. So we can hardly keep up with ourselves that we already never quite knew right. <laughs> fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the idea that we can like completely know the other based on what they tell us mm. it's just nuts right. you know? it's like, we're you're totally know, right yeah right? like we have yeah. to understand that all of this stuff you know is conditional it's super conditional because like we don't even know what we want for real and there's no way that we can know what is in, in our partner's heart and minds at all times even if they tell us everything you know it's just too rich and we don't have the vocabulary to access it and a lot of the best we can do is to be open enough to feel it mm-hmm. right to like be close enough and and in touch enough to kind of like connect at that level past words where you know you know you're loved you're present right there is trust or not um instead of you know instead of like all these like formulaic things that that we go by which is you know he did this finished or you know know what i mean or she did this i'm done with her you know she found someone else it's over whatever you know these assumptions were because we're so we're so ego driven when it comes to you know sexual experience that um, a lot of it comes from a place of like playing defense, mm-hmm. um, fear, you the fear of the unknown, that, yeah. fear and, and defense, you know, but ego, ego defense, like, mm. you know, I'm not going to be disrespected mm. like this, you know, that feeling, you know, mm-hmm. that like, um, you know, how dare you or what? I mean, that's really the basic, you know, emotion is like rage Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like you feel like you gave yourself and this is what you get, you know, for your trust, right? So that quick um, rejection that comes from that, like, you know, the quick quick way that we tend to like transform love into hate Mm. is really not serving us, you know, because, and I feel like it's false, you know, um, that love is love no matter what. And even if we temporarily feel it as hate, that's our ego mm-hmm. getting in the way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like our, our higher self knows that love is love no matter what, you know, has happened a couple of times with our genitals. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you know, which is part of an expression of love, but it's so diverse. Like it's, you know, it really can be like endless um, what we can do sexually, you know, or what we can get in the mood or feel, you know, like spontaneously. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's important to to help each other, you know, in relationship to stay together by bending all of these rules that, that we've, inherited (laughs) accepting each other yeah Yeah, it's really kind of like each other the way we are are. yeah yeah and i think you know i had this couple one time that they were just like i want him to do this and she and you know and he he was like well i want her to be like this and i was like this is not gonna work (laughs) like this is not gonna work y'all don't even accept each other for who you are what makes you think that you can have a good relationship you want to change each other like you might as well you you need to be with someone else right right (laughs) yeah 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 sometimes it's very obvious that you're just kind of like yeah yeah Yeah. the, the 
the difference is too great. Yeah. And and what we're saying, like the translation, like you just do, the way you express love and the way they mm-hmm. express love mm-hmm. is is antithetical. Right. You know, so like it's just very hard to translate this shit on a daily basis, you know, and say, oh, okay. You know, so that's what we call like, you know, suited or charis- chemistry or whatever mm-hmm. we call it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But basically, yeah, that's it. Like we're so unlike mm-hmm. that it's very hard to constantly empathize and you know stop being yourself momentarily and be your lover yeah. or partner and say okay how does she or he and then back and forth and that could be exhausting if you're really different people mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah and that's where acceptance is key and if you choose to be there that's right. the thing yeah. too yeah. choice choice yeah you know. yeah oh choice because you can accept the person for who they are. That doesn't mean you have to be with them, right? And so I think that's the other part of it, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I have to be here, so I have to accept. Or can I just change them to be how I want them to be since I have to be here? But if you remove that um, that idea that right. you're stuck, yeah. Yeah. right? And that it's actually a choice. Right. I'm choosing to remain here and to right. be with this person. Yeah. And then I think acceptance may come a little easier or, um, hey, you got you to gotta see what happens. You got to see what, right. who, who emerges, yeah. both within you and within that person. Like yeah. you say, you're always evolving. Yeah. And so... And also, you know, women, I mean, we have been, it's in our, in, it's in our DNA to like endure, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we've, we've been taught mm-hmm. by example, you know, by our ancestors mm. that like, we're going to be raped. We're going to be treated like objects. Mm. We're going to mm. be chattel. We're going to be passed from father to husband, you know, and we just get to take it and survive, you know, and like mm. raise our kids and just live another day. Mm. And that's what's deep, deep in that, survival. you know, mm-hmm. survival mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and fear of like, if you change your situation, it's going to get worse, you mm-hmm. know, because like for uh, hundreds or thousands of years, it was, <laughs> you know, yeah. right, mm-hmm. for women. So it's not like you could divorce, you couldn't. It, it's not like you had another place to go, you didn't. So it's a very new concept. So the fear is ancient, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and as much as like we understand from what we see around us that we can be you know we can be free we can divorce we can move on we're not gonna like die necessarily you know we're not gonna be shunned by the community you know excommunicated uh you know homeless and going hungry that fear is there Mm. and you know we gotta face it and we gotta overcome it and that's hard you know it's hard so it very often keeps especially women you know with like toxic men who they know um they mm-hmm. cannot change. They know they can, you know, they, they can make happy because mm-hmm. that's who they are, but they don't move on because they're afraid, yes. you know. So, um, you know, again, talking about it, you know, and, and, and helping them kind of like retrain the way they see the world, you know, and, and, and see, and, and, and kind of, and again, like, like kind of separating it from money and, and possessions and stuff, because I feel like a lot of women stay, you know, because mm. of like they don't want to lose the house or they don't want to lose like mm. the salary that he brings in, or you know, again like this monetary 
you know, concerns, which once upon a time were super real. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you could not have a bank account, you know, until like the middle of last century. You could not not have a job unless like you were a living maid, which was, you know, not free. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, and I think like that's even truer for people of color, you know, Mm. coming from a culture that has known slavery, that fear is even stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, that need to just kind of like... um, endure and mm-hmm. survive yeah. this shit because yes. life is shit and you know they're gonna get you so like keep your head down and don't want too much yeah, you know yeah. and, and I mean my culture my you know my culture had that very much the women because mm-hmm. it's you know one of those uh, macho oppressed you know cultures that have been conquered many times mm-hmm. for uh, hundreds of years right mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's always like don't say the truth, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that was fundamental. You know, it's like, don't tell anyone what's going on, mm. keep your mouth shut, and, you know, just survive. Yeah, you know, this mm-hmm. is what you were dealt. You know, this is your fate. You know, you're likely to have, like, whatever, the roof and the food and, <laughs> and a man. Mm-hmm. So to get out of that mm-hmm. is really, you know, it's, it's difficult mm-hmm. and it's... Um, more than difficult it's kind of like consciousness changing yeah yes I, for me like I had a, a client and it's so interesting like what you said about like even though for centuries and centuries we think oh we're gonna lose our house or we're gonna lose this or we're gonna we can't have access to that but even now it's so ingrained like you said in our DNA I mean I had a couple where you know it was a black woman and black man and the black woman was making all the money supporting him doing everything and still feeling insecure and still feeling like she couldn't go anywhere or that she probably couldn't get anybody better or you know all of these things because like oh wait I, I have I have a black man he's a good guy he ain't got no job or anything but he's, he's good and he's with me here all the time and and so I need to keep him and so like I don't want to let go and so that is you know, it's hard for me to see because I'm just like, okay, well, I don't, you're, you're, I don't know how happy you're going to be. You know, I I think you're just being in this because you don't want to let go and you want to hold so tight um, because you've already had one family fall apart, you know, like already went through a divorce, right? So you're just trying to hang on to the next, the next best thing. Um, and and yeah it's yeah. hard it's hard for you know for feminists to kind of like see that mm. and understand it you know and and honor it and respect it and mm. embrace it um but we kind of have to in <laughs> order to bring everyone in right right mm-hmm. and you know you can't just kind of you know you can't just tell people no, no you know right. like yeah you cannot regulate that because no. it's like instinct it's very basic you know it's very yeah basic. it's in the body yeah, yeah. The body. your body is literally like, like going into panic mode yeah yeah it's trauma yeah it's intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. and so even if you understand it mentally with the mo- monkey yeah. mind your body is still reacting and it's still going into it's that mode. terrified mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah it's terrified and i feel and especially you know and again i think that's truer for women mm-hmm. than men um 
you know, the, the fear of like growing up alone. Mm-hmm. Mm. This, this, this sense that yeah. women have that, you know, it, like they're only wanted for the, their, you know, mortal coil, as they used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for this like object, you know, the curves, mm-hmm. the this, the holes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that uh, if they, you know, pass that time where they're desirable and mm-hmm. they are alone, like mm-hmm. without a man that they've, holding on to mm. uh, they'll they'll always be alone and then that feels like you know hell mm. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean you know so again like being alone being solitary is another issue you know where I feel that women because we're very relationship oriented we're givers you know we're the family makers we you know we're we surrounded survive the longest <laughs> yeah but like yeah we survive we're, mm-hmm. but we're also like the touchy ones and the talky yeah. ones and yeah. we express our feelings and we mm-hmm. need that validation from each other we're you know I think that we're wildly wired to create community and family mm. because we give birth, you know, mm-hmm. those are the skills we use to raise our babies, right? And so when for like decades, you use those skills a lot with your children, you know, with like the hugging and the talking and the exchange, you know, so suddenly, you know, being alone where your kids move out and have their own families and have their jobs and you're on your own and you don't have like a partner feels like, punishment you know it feels uh you know like something is missing and women will make huge compromises Mm. to avoid being there Mm -hmm. and that compromise is not really being happy you know not you know it starts from basic shit like faking your orgasm Mm. which i mean it's still so common and like we, mm-hmm. you know, would think like that's insane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> but, but you know, it's part of that. It's like faking your desire, mm-hmm. you know, acting like not you really knowing. like the yeah. guy just not, because you uh, want other things. Mm-hmm. So like doing the entire sex as if you might as well be a sex worker in that sense because mm-hmm. you're not there with it mm-hmm. because you want the other stuff that goes with the relationship yeah mm-hmm. so and all of that you know we yeah and we do not like i feel like yeah we do not condemn it we we support it and we, we're just talking about it and mm-hmm. we're naming it you know and i've and we're and i'm hoping that we're moving uh, you know forward in a way that we can all find safety with each other and, you know, find safety in, you know, speaking our truth, recognizing our truth and, and in respecting ourselves enough, right? Mm-hmm. To be happy with ourselves. Because if you find how to be happy with yourself, both sexually, like masturbating mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, playing in public <laughs> in ways that you don't need the constant like support of the partner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, being happy with yourself mentally, spiritually, uh, you know, in your meditation, in your yoga, in your church, in your prayer, all of that. You know, then you find like an anchor within you and that frees you from having to do this, you know, huge amount of like work, which is compromise, mm-hmm. just in order to be, you know, with with a man yeah. who 
you don't tru- you know you, you don't truly love anymore you know you just think you need mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's a way to like liberate um liberate ourselves and liberate our relationships and bring them back to like the truth of it all right mm-hmm. yeah and i think also being fixated on your partner having to give you what you want i think builds such a wall and then yeah, it, true, it actually true, doesn't true. allow you the can connection get everything to right yeah so there's also that aspect you know it's like we get i mean at least i can speak from my personal you spoke about toxic masculinity and i'm a woman i identify as woman but i feel like i have i am in the process of healing my toxic masculinity because deep in there somehow i was conditioned to expect my partner right maybe to perform or maybe to you know satisfy me as if it's some kind of duty right and there's that sense of entitlement so i own that right <laughs> and and in that finding that empowerment that you're speaking of of like finding my own pleasure and taking ownership of my own body and you know my own sexuality and how to express that um and realizing that focusing on that so much didn't allow me to focus on love you know connection so yeah i think for women even for women i think maybe i don't know oh, yeah, i can't we, speak we generally we all have like masculine and feminine yeah i think for sure mm-hmm. and and also it's so prevalent in the culture you know i always say that like i i even as an artist but definitely as a woman like i don't know what the female gaze is because i feel that i only know this one way of seen and like i objectify the female body you know even even if i don't want to i i do because that's how the culture has taught me to like find arousal or you know where to look for it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know it th- yeah like we all have m- masculine and feminine in us you know we're, none of us mm-hmm. it sounds like they're toxic toxic and we're not <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and and part of the you know and 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 part of like this general uh, you know healing you know the body and and like our our way is is to talk about it right mm-hmm. you know because as you talk about it the more you talk about it the more you kind of like uh, discover that this is very familiar you know and like we're all like that we're all in it and we're all trying to come out of it and no no one is like you know perfect or you know holier than the rest you know (laughs) (laughs) so like don't judge is the first thing like don't judge you know who you know we're all like flawed beings in need of mercy from each other you know right first of all Mm -hmm. yeah um so (laughs) so um but yeah I i do feel that like you know a minority minority community um has kind of like a heavier burden um and at the same time is more sexually you know uh, expressive <laughs> so um i think that a lot you know a, a lot of this messaging um should be coming out to them you know i'm constantly hoping for accessibility you know mm-hmm. like imagine if instead of like the kardashians <laughs> or imagine if the kardashians themselves you know instead of like talking about money and brands mm. and you know bullshit uh, clothing and makeup you know talked about this you know so like 
everyone out there um, who they have access to would become much more comfortable with all the varieties of like sexual language, you know, sexual mm -hmm. need, mm -hmm. romantically need, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe they would give out like these tests. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Tweet like, that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's like the, the ultimate calling here is, yes, we're talking about it, but like just get it out to everybody because mm -hmm. that's how, you know, we shake things up, you know? Mm -hmm. And like one of my, one of my ultimate goals is speaking of like, you know, bringing down the patriarchy is to, you know, end this custom of naming the children after the father. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which in gay marriage is even more fucking complicated. Like, I don't even know. I, like, so many of my friends have hyphenated <laughs> names. It's like incredible. Yeah. Yeah, but like I, yeah. And I, ha I also have friends who just invented their, uh, changed, like invented their own last name. Yeah, that's what they and, love. And changed it, yeah. you know, and just was like, okay, we're going to, this is our family name. Yeah, I love so, that. Yeah, I, love I like that, that idea too. Too, yeah, yeah totally. as an idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you know, our name is like our father's last name and their father's mm -hmm. last name, yeah. and you know, so it's kind of like perpetuating something icky. And it's great, you know, the same way that you name your child by their first name to just come up with the last name and you know, start over. And yeah, I have a friend who only has one name. Yeah. <laughs> like a like a Madonna yeah. kind of thing, like yeah, yeah. just yeah. as like her parents were like, nah, you just one name's fine, you know. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, so, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things that like you know you you have we have the ability to like yeah do the things we want. We don't always have to follow the rules, right. you know. Yeah. Um, and that is a way to like you know take down the patriarchy is just yeah. to say like, hey. We one name is enough, or you know, right. we're, we're gonna make up this name, or we're yeah. gonna make up, we're gonna yeah. do things. And our it's own so way. simple and it's so cheap. You just go in front of the judge, you pay a few hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like names. You know, this is the <clears throat> thing about like speaking sex. You know, and renaming things or coming mm. up with names for things. You know, which like kink does a lot, right. but like you know, names are codes that like alchemical codes and if they're used long enough they are so heavy you know like the word mother the word father the word you know the word sin you know the word unacceptable the, the word slut the word I mean they are so heavy you know I I always bring as an example for myself I was born on the island of Lesbos mm. so I'm a born lesbian right <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the thing is you know when I was a child so I don't know if I mean I don't even know you know how many people like understand this but um the the ancient poet Sappho, mm -hmm. 600 yeah. years before Christ, wrote amazing poetry, mm -hmm. and she was born on the island of Lesbos, lived there her whole life, right? Mm -hmm. So back in the day, before patriarchy was so in charge, they didn't have last names, but and they used, for people who kind of stood out, you know, so most people just had their first name in the community, right? But people who like stood, stood out, so she became super famous because her poetry was so uh, loved. Um, the last name would be the toponym where you come from. Mm. So they would be like, you know, Solon of Athens or, you know, so etc. 
Um, so she was Sappho of Lesbos, right? Mm-hmm. Sappho of Lesbos, Sappho the lesbian mm-hmm. poet, um, a, a way to recognize her outside her island. And as I said, she was the first, maybe last famous Greek writer woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, who would dare like, want to be famous like that after what happened to her? So, mm-hmm. you know, the patriarchy and then later the Greek church basically demonized the poems because they spoke about the female body and female beauty and, you know, and made up the story that she was a lesbian in the sense of a, a lover of women, a homosexual. Whether or not she was is completely irrelevant because at that time homosexuality was like super accepted in ancient Greece and, and was not a separate practice, right. right? So like the way, you know, now like you're either queer or you're not, but you're not so often bisexual, right? Mm-hmm. So in ancient Greece, it just was not, you know, it was pre-Christian, of course, and you know, most men would go through a, a homosexual youth yeah, right. and uh, you know, bondage, which actually helped them also when they would go to war or whatever. And most women would, again, in puberty, when they socialized with each other mostly and didn't exchange, you know, didn't really meet the other gender, um, go through the learning curve homosexually. Um, and then, you know, someone, you know, you would get married. Um, you know, the great like romantic thing that we have now wasn't so prevalent then. So, you know, matchmaking and stuff happened. Also, uh, some people married for love. But, but my point is that usually their first sexual experience was homosexual. Mm. Um, so whether or not she slept with women. Yeah, she had a husband, she had a daughter, you know, she was uh, exiled for her political views by a tyrant, she got, came back, like she had a whole other, you know, heteronormative existence as well. Um, but it was about the writing and how fucking popular the writing became and how mm-hmm. back then everyone recited her verses and they were very open and intimate and, you know, free and women didn't even get educated. They weren't even allowed to act in the theater. You know, they didn't vote. They didn't own property. And there is this woman with this fucking amazing talent. And, it, you know, and as patriarchy got more and more strident and strict, it revisited, you know, Sappho's work mm-hmm. and changed the story, right? Wow. So by the time Christianity came, uh, like 700 years later, Christ, you know, mm-hmm. was born. But by the time Christianity became a religion, all of her work was banned. So now we only have like little excerpts. We have one poem that was copied by a Roman, like classics editor in a notebook that, you know, somehow survived. One poem in its entirety out of like nine volumes of poetry that they had in the libraries back then. and in the process of vilifying her, which came slowly, right? She became a pervert. She became, you know, you know uh, like she seduced girls. It wasn't just a homosexual, but like, mm. you know, a, f- a sexual freak, right? So when I was born, I was ashamed to tell anyone I was a lesbian, you know, because I'm a kid <laughs> and we left Lesbos and went to Athens. So I went to uh, elementary kindergarten in Athens and did the rest of my schooling there. And like, I didn't tell it because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, you know, no one will speak to me. I'll say I'm a lesbian and I'll be like, eek, gross, right? <laughs> so imagine like the power of a word. That's what I'm saying. Like words are codes. Mm-hmm. They have so much shit in them mm-hmm. because, you know, the way they've been used and the way we've taken them on, right, comes with 
all of that patriarchal judgment and morality. So making new words is amazing and beautiful and wonderful, you know, and then kind of like understanding words before we say them mm-hmm. yes. matters because right. that's how we change our everything, you know, and how we teach our children matters so we don't repeat thoughtlessly, you know, what we were given by our parents or grandparents, you know, but, but we actually consciously, you know, choose how to speak to them about sex and and what words, what do you tell them about the words that are, are used out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, take the time to say, okay, this is what you're going to hear. This is what, I, you know, I believe it means. This is where it comes from, you know? This is why I don't use it. I don't choose to call, you know, us. I don't use the word normal mm-hmm. that way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think of uh, monogamy, Mm-hmm. The same way, you know, this is what I mean by monogamish, <laughs> <laughs> right? <yeah. laughs> right? And that's what I stand for, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's like how it, we, that's the game changer. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, and, and it, I think it's also part of the process of that deconditioning, right? Because the more you say the word, or more, the more you replace that word with a different word then you are doing that work on yourself and it's spreading to those around you as well because they can hear you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether they really understand why you're doing it or not they are being affected by it so it all comes down to your own work I think my you know being really conscious of what I'm saying and choosing to change the things that I'm aware of that are not in alignment with whatever I want to be in alignment with. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm thinking, I think that uh, um, we're at a good closing place. Thank you very much for coming. Speak sex, everyone. If I could make love incessantly, I would be gone.